0: Hey, folks, welcome to BioMass. This is Jason here for uh, episode 27 uh, with my co hosts, Pokey and Livy. Uh, we are, uh, as usual, on an inconsistent yet very regular uh, installment of, of the show. Uh, but we we tend to hit our weekly, uh, we just don't know when in the week it sometimes comes. And that's that's one of those little functions of life as we're spread out really all over the country and kind of like lives, works, and family. But We wanted to make sure we got something out for you guys this week, so we do have a couple kind of cool movie notes and some other things popping out there that we want to like let folks know about so without further ado, let's knock out some introductions you've already heard from me, and so let's sling it over to pokey.
1: Hey i'm pokey Draven I uh, help host the show here i'm currently playing final fantasy 14 mostly and I just rolled in from work, so I am uh, very unprepared, as usual, but i'm here.
0: All righty. (laughs) Livy?
2: <laughs> Throwing off the unprepared. I'm only prepared at work. Uh, I'm Livy. And uh, I don't know. I'm fried. So happy Wednesday, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's, I think that's the theme of the week. For it the feels most like part. it's really? been Monday every day for the past two weeks.
1: I'm on my like 17th Monday in a row. So
0: <laughs> this has the potential to be an awesome show. I just want everybody out there to know that. <laughs> so, so this is actually what happens when when uh, y- you get a bunch of nerds that grow up and then take and then have like wildly different lives with like kids and like real big boy, boy and big girl jobs. Uh, so all of the cool stuff that you used to talk about with your friends when you're like uh, waiting the bus or uh, hanging out to go do whatever, it, it, you know, you still want to do that. But, you know, real life does tend to catch up with us. And, and it's interesting. So like I, we've talked about it a few times on the show, but we're very geographically dispersed across the country. Which is kind of neat because uh, you get some very different perspectives. For example, Livy and Pokey—they have no idea what uh, clouds nor rain looks like based on where they're at. And uh, I, unfortunately, understand what Vikings and uh, like Game of Thrones looks like because winter is coming all year round where I'm at. <laughs> so it's it's kind of an interesting uh, interesting sort of feel. And then occasionally we'll have, uh, you know zell slash jake we don't really know what to call him anymore he's he's in a transitional phase right now uh he pops out of the windy city occasionally and then uh our our buddy bait who's down in florida so we really run the gamut of things uh but nevertheless we are here really to hang out with each other and kind of like capture our blathering on, on a uh, a podcast but we hope to actually kind of inform you guys about a couple things so uh we'll, we'll kind of kick this off up front there's a little bit of news dotted around, uh, so we'll talk a little bit about Gamescom stuff. And uh, I, I think the big thing that popped over the last, uh, maybe thirty-six hours, that's probably worth talking about here on a Nerdcast: the uh, less than amicable uh, seeming divorce of Sony and Disney over the Spider-Man franchise. This is really starting to like uh, hit the hit the news pretty hard right now. Uh, at least you know since early this morning, it has this has all the makings of a a significant boo-boo on everybody's part so i'll speak to this generally as a fan uh but basically as i'm looking at you know probably about three different news feeds right now on this um it really stems down to uh probably believe both sides rightly so wanted to recapitalize on the spider-man property so fast forward or, or correction let's rewind sony itself owns the IP of Uh, Spider-Man. Way, 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 way back in the day, Marvel sold off a bunch of the rights to its characters, uh, at least in terms of the movie aspects, uh, movie and TV aspects, to a variety of different people. Uh, The the vast majority of them have been consolidated under Disney and Marvel, uh, back under the Marvel house now. There are a few outliers. Um, The most notable by far is Spider-Man, clearly and historically one of their their biggest drawing and most popular in these, uh, in that franchise, in that entire sort of comic book house franchise. Um, so Sony has owned my uh, Spider-Man for quite a while. Uh, they made a variety of movies, uh, some dramatically more successful than others. And, and they, they frankly, they sort of petered out. No, I can't believe I just said that. No pun intended. Uh, and then at, at a point when Marvel was definitely on the rise, they were in a little bit of a rocky spot as they were they were sort of kicking off their their final parts of Phase 4. They had, like, Thor the Dark World, which was not overly well-received, but then they had Guardians of the Galaxy, which was really well-received. So they're in this kind of weird zone, but they're definitely overall on a, on a significant upswing. And Sony just, frankly, has never really been able... to to do much with the Marvel properties that it had. And it had a few other ones other than Spider-Man. So uh, over a a fairly informal uh, meeting uh, with Marvel Studios and Kevin Feige, Sony proposed an interesting, uh, reportedly Sony was the one that proposed this, that they can use Spider-Man in the MCU. And there was an interesting sort of, like uh, it was a very low bar cost share agreement. So there was some initial monies set aside, in, uh, in terms of like how much money Sony would get off of the take of the movie, it was a very low percentage. But the Marvel movies were consistently very lucrative, um, so that's not a bad deal. They also got a, about 175 million in cash upfront, a one-time fee, so that Disney could have all of the merchandising rights to things that Spider-Man was on and associated with the MCU. Um, so here's what went on to happen. Uh, Spider-Man's revealed in, uh, the Marvel universe in an Avengers movie. The crowd goes wild. Sp- you know, a few other things happen. Spider-Man movie comes out, crowd goes wild. A few other things happen in game, you know, the whole smash. Peter Parker is now firmly entrenched, you know, the Tom Holland version, which I, I would offer, and this is just very subjective, but I would offer that that Tom Holland is probably, the, in my, my view, the definitive, uh, version of a movie, Peter Parker and Spider-Man. I, I don't, I agree. Like, by not, far. yeah, I haven't seen anything better from anybody, uh, that to include animated versions as well as going all the way back to like the late seventies, early eighties, live action TV movies, which were actually surprisingly good for the time. Um, but he, he is very much stamped as the image of Spider-Man for a lot of people right now. Um, so that being said, they went on to make, uh, I wanna say Spider-Man Far From Home, I believe if I'm looking at this right, made over a billion dollars. So even with that fairly low sum, that fairly low percentage of like 5% of the take or something like that, uh, Sony is certainly not hurting for the ability to uh, shuttle out the Spider-Man franchise. And everybody, it basically they wanted to keep that deal more or less the same uh, or maybe get a little bit better. But I think they realized they wanted to, at a minimum, keep that the same because they were, for a minimal outlay, getting a lot back for it. Uh, Marvel slash really Disney, they were like, hey, I don't know if you've checked in lately, but we we think we just made several billion dollars off the back of Spider-Man that you were basically like turning into a grease fire before we showed up we would like, we would like to exchange this around. So yeah, so I had that reverse. So Disney was basically taking a 5% cut of the, cause these are all Sony movies, but they're under the MCU brands. It's kind of an interesting sort of back and forth. They did. So, so Disney was definitely taking the low end of the money on this, Now they were definitely making up for it in the, in the, uh, the merchandising component, I, I suspect. But basically they came back and said, we would like 30% of the take of these movies. Uh, and, and we're going to finance some of the movies as well. So they wanted basically co-production rights in the movie, you know, even though Sony would clearly own the vast majority of the percentile. Everybody bought. So Marvel, who I think probably had the more sane case, they're like, "We literally just made you an entire GDP of most small countries. Uh, we would like we would like to renegotiate this deal a little bit, even and still keep it relatively in your favor." Um, and Sony was basically like, "No, nah, we're pretty okay with making a mint, and you you just like continuing to give sprinkle some MCU magic on this shit." Now, while all, all that's happening, Sony uh, releases Venom with Tom Hardy, which does not do well at all. Uh, but they believe that they can now make superhero movies again when they've been, they have a very spotty track record in the past. What's also happened is that is the Enter the Spider Verse came out, and they're like, "Hey, that's another superhero movie that." won an Oscar and did, and frankly, by all accounts, was phenomenal. I I would chalk up Into the Spider-Verse as like one of the best, you know, superhero genre movies I've ever seen. Really, really good. The the problem is Sony also like really didn't pay too much attention to that until it came out because as an animated thing, they were kind of like, yeah, 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 we'll throw it out there. Get something out of the theaters. It's probably more of a Netflix thing for us. Well, lo and behold, that, that thing struck lightning heavy duty. So now they're feeling their oats a little bit. And long story short, nobody can agree on, agree on anything. And and this is kind of unusual in today's day and age, but the studios were definitely sniping at each other pretty heavy over the last day or two over whose fault it was. Cause I think there's a lot of people that sort of realized this could go really poorly for everybody, uh, for both studios, frankly. Uh, cause in, cause you, you now have the Tom Holland, Spider-Man, who's a, a very critical linchpin inside the MCU. So they're, they're kind of hosed there. And then you got Sony, who's like, we know how to make superhero movies. We watched Ke- Kevin Feige make two movies for us. Because they basically loaned out the like the all-star production team and direction team that were cranking these movies out to Sony. It was an interesting exchange of talent as well, and, and not just IPs. So uh, there's a lot of things up in the air. And what was interesting was even some castmates coming up out, out of that, like Jeremy Renner. Kind of out of nowhere was basically, you know, put a jab at Sony. He was like, "Hey, like it'd be really cool if you let Spider-Man s- hang out with like you know, uh, like the real Stan Lee and Marvel, like where everybody else is, and still you continue to make money." Uh, it was it was not not a an overly uh, it was not a big rock that he threw, but it was a, it was an interesting public tweet that he, he threw out, and this whole scenario i really really hope that your know, tempers will flare and the people are going to calm down and then somebody's going to realize they need to figure out how to do this they need to get this together um i kind of view this not i mean very 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 dissimilar case but i view this kind of like the guardians of the galaxy james gunn kind of episode earlier in the year uh when there were, you know there's some drama with james gunn and, and he was he was departing basically disney fired him and all of the the cast of guardians of the galaxy galaxy were basically like you know hashtag fuck this um i i really hope that they figure this out uh I, and i think it, it's it's really by far the best thing for the fans if they can figure it out and for the love of god if you can't figure out how both sides can make uh fair and equitable money off of a, an agreement like this we like i don't know what to tell you um it's it's pretty bananas now, what's kind of also interesting from a strategic side, you know, you could argue that Marvel may actually have the most to lose out of this deal if they don't, if they don't figure something out, because uh, they've got, you know, like I said, I would say subjectively and objectively probably the most popular overall character in the history of Marvel in, in the term of Spider-Man that they don't own, but they own literally just about everything else. They've got the, the the Avengers, all of the Avengers type stuff that you've seen. They now own the X-Men and they're actively pursuing X-Men properties and and building them into the the MCU right now. That's definitely in full swing. They also own the Fantastic Four now, and there's a lot of heavy rumors that that's starting to be populated as well. So they literally have all of the marquee pillars of the Marvel sort of pantheon, except Spider-Man. That's, that's a tough spot if you're Disney. Now, the reality is they could probably go on and be okay, but it would just put this really gaping sort of hole in their mosaic that they've built with the Marvel Cinematic universe over the course of 23 movies now um and and i think and i think that's something they'd be loath to do and and on the flip side if you're sony you got another studio that's clearly way more successful than you giving you giving you talent and letting you keep most of the money and you can't figure out a way to like continue to sweeten this deal or make this work for you after you've generally proven not to be able to do it very well or at least consistently bananas it's absolutely bananas. So I'll kind of take a pause from my monologue right there, and I'll kind of – I'm very interested to hear you guys' take on it because I think I'm much more, you know, geeked out over, you know, comic book stuff than I think you guys are. But I'm kind of interested in what your guys' take is on this whole situation.
2: It's just just so silly because it's almost like watching a really bad divorce and they're trying to keep an item that, like, the person really doesn't want, but they're keeping it just because they're like, screw it, I want it. I I mean (laughs) – it's just it's dumb. I don't understand. I don't understand these companies that make billions of dollars not being able to come with come up with uh, compromise or some you know, i'm gonna say a third option to to what they can do just to you know at least keep the customers happy because that's that's really who should be who they're thinking about before, you know their pockets that are already pretty fat. yeah I mean you
1: have a situation where Literally, everyone loses by this. Disney loses, Sony loses, the fans lose, and Sony doesn't realize it yet. But everyone loses in this situation because they 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 may think that they can go, Oh, we can we can make these movies, but it's like, guys, you pretty much just owned the IP and let someone else use it and got free money for it. You didn't do anything like Into the Spider Verse is fantastic, but you know, Tom Holland MCU that wasn't you. So, I mean, I understand one to protect what you own because they paid for it way back in the day for, you know, a, a fraction of what it's worth now. But, like, without Marvel and Disney's support to do this, they aren't going to make money off of that IP. So, to hold on to it and go, like, well, we're not going to share and we're not going to, you know, give you an inch more is is just asinine. <clears throat>
0: You know, there's a there's also some storytelling components that are kind of interesting in this because because the way they've done it's like, so there's a hole with, you know, in the MCU, then if if the Tom Holland Spider-Man is not there. Right. So their options are go get another actor, which I don't think would go over very well. Uh, And then if you look at Sony's perspective, what do you do? Like how much of what's in those movies is actually owned by by Disney versus them? Like anything with anything that ever mentions the Avengers, Happy Hogan, Tony Stark, which is a a ridiculously pivotal part of Tom Holland's story now uh, of the Tom Holland, Holland Spider-Man, like that would be equally weird as if in the next movie you had to pretend like, like absolutely none of that happened or you had to start over, like, do you even get the same, like, like there's no story beat that works in, in, in a Sony Spider-Man world that, that didn't have, you know, MCU, like touch on it. And that's, that's, what's interesting to me is that no side will, will make this work right. Um, and Tom Holland, I believe is on contract for two more movies right now. He's, he's very much radio listening silent right now. Cause I think like I think he's ab- absolutely desperately hoping that this gets fixed uh, that is what I suspect he- where he's at. Um, but that, like I said, it's not a great great position if you're if you're a fan. I really hope they can figure this out because it's just it makes no sense to do this. Uh, and if you're Sony, and again you have this money printing machine in the form of the Spider Man IP, I, I I can only assume that they are making the gamble or they are making the calculation that they can make the movies as good as, and will be as well received as the MCU versions. I absolutely do not think that is the case just based on prior track record. And here's the interesting part. There is absolutely nothing stopping Disney. If they were like really vindictive mouse-eared motherfuckers to like, oh, you want to release some Spider-Man on what weekend of the year? Cool deal, bitch the Avengers X-Men crossover number one happens on the same weekend, bro. Have that, how, how's that working for you? Yeah. I mean, you, you could have all kind of stupid little tit for tat things going on. And, and Sony is just not in a good position with that. They may own the ACE card, but they got to have a rest of a hand to play it with.
1: It's also possible that they're hoping that Disney will go, well, we don't want to cut Spider-Man out of the MCU. So we'll just let you keep the same deal you've had so far. And then I, I they think can just awesome. you know staring
0: this. Yeah, I think that's basically what my my understanding is. At least again from you know the internet, which is as we all know, one hundred percent right. Um, it, it is that their stance was? Yeah, we like the deal that we have. We're going to stay with that uh, because, like you know, they got a money printing machine, right? And then Disney is like, ah, hey, I think we were bringing more to the table than five percent, bro. So uh, it's I don't know. Well. We're gonna to to see how this plays out. Very Very interesting to see yeah. how this um, kind of works out. I really hope. I really hope they can work something out. I, I yeah. really, really do. It, it would just. It would really, really be a shame if they if they couldn't couldn't figure this part out.
2: Feel like they finally got Spider-Man right.
0: Yes. Like yeah,
2: finally. I,
0: <laughs> third <laughs> the charm. I I did not <laughs> I did not hate the Tobey Maguire version. Like the fir- the the first Spider-Man with Tobey Maguire was actually not bad. That was pretty good. I mean, for the fact he hadn't seen Spider-Man in a long time, it was pretty good. There were some parts that were definitely, you know, mid-90s Sony, you know, it is what it is. Um, and the fact that Tobey Maguire was like 10 years older than he should have been in high school. Yeah. Um, I think, I, I don't want to disparage him as an actor. I thought those movies were okay. I'm a big Sam Raimi fan. I like a lot of their stuff, um, but it just, it just didn't work real well. Um, I mean, after Seabiscuit, no.
2: I c I couldn't see him in that role anymore. It's just I don't know.
0: No, I get that. I mean, I, I think I think when it started to transition, I think the Andrew Garfield stuff was it was just not good. And I I don't think that's necessarily on Andrew Garfield. I just think that movie was you know, like I said, we'll we'll keep an eye on this one. Really hope they can figure this one out. Um all right, let's kind of flash forward. Poke, you have some comments on Gamescom, perhaps? Uh
1: yeah. So they showed off some more Death Stranding at Gamescom. This is of course the enigmatic game being produced by Hideo Kojima with his first production after he joined up with Sony. Uh, And I would say this is the closest we've got to like actual gameplay. Um, It was kind of interesting. It it definitely is kind of showing off uh, a very open world aspect to the gameplay where it's you know, you're, you're the Sam Bridges character and you're basically a delivery man trekking all over the U S to, to deliver things. Um, it was kind of cool because it shows like it, it seems like it's more focused around kind of having the right tools to transverse the, the, uh, the terrain. So like, you have, like ladders and stuff you bring with to like cross gaps and things like that. It was, it was kind of cool. Um, you have to pee apparently cause Kojima's like that. He puts random weird shit in his games where you actually have to watch your your urine levels and actually take a, a moment to stop and go to the bathroom. They
2: you watch, watch your urine.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, you can. It, it actually has like a meter that goes down, like how many milliliters you got left to, to empty. Because Kojima is crazy. Up.
2: He's yeah. going to add biomonitoring to make sure you're actually going to the restroom I, I, before I, you can come I, back and play.
1: I, I almost wonder if that's kind of the intent is like, by the way, you're a human being. Please go do human being things to stop playing for five seconds.
2: Hashtag stand up. Don't die. <laughs>
1: Pretty much. Like don't, don't get blood clots, please. And die playing our game. Um, but it was kind of cool. They were, they were showing off a lot of the, because um, this game is obviously featuring a lot of, prevalent actors that have been 3D scanned into the game, Um, you know, you got like Mads Mickelson and uh, Del Toro and stuff like that, who are, you know, prevalent characters in the story and they're of course voiced and motion acted and 3D scanned in, Um, but they're also kind of showing that uh, they've taken other people just like in the gaming industry and scanned them in, just made them NPCs as like cameos. They aren't like really playing a, like an important part, but they're just like, "Hey, go deliver this package to this random guy." Except that that random guy is like, you know, Sakurai from from Nintendo. You know, just we've just thrown whoever the hell we feel like into this game, um, which is kind of fun. I think it'll be kind of neat to to play the game and and you know see you you can who you can spot that's you know just a random person in the world. Um, so a lot of, of the show is kind of neat, but of course. As usual, we still don't really know what the game is about. Um, there's some lore stuff that they kind of were tossing around, but what the actual like objective of the game is still pretty unclear. They keep saying that, you know, your goal is to reconnect the world, which is, of course, very vague, but it does kind of uh, go along the similar lines. Other stuff that um, Hideo Kojima has done where it's like, it's a single-player game, but how you interact with the world will affect kind of a global, um, I don't say global economy, but kind of like a global world where you know if enough people do this one thing, then something will happen in everyone's game world, and that if you're finding ways to work together, you can actually you know accomplish bigger goals that are that are in the game and kind of unlock some secret stuff.
0: So, you know, so I, I got breaking here. All right, yeah, yeah. here's what I hear. You, here's what I hear you saying. Uh, I hear you saying that we are going to play a video game about being a new version of Twitter in an apocalyptic world with ghosts, aliens, and weird babies. Uh, probably something like that, yes. Is, is, that, is, that, is, that, is that what you're getting? <laughs> I, uh, I'm guessing I'm getting? it's
1: probably something along those lines, yes.
0: I'm definitely, I'm definitely getting a vibe that this is some sort of very uh, supernatural Instagram with guns kind of thing. <laughs> I mean, there there are like people with dead ghost babies now. So
1: I mean, that's, that's something.
0: Also breaking news, literally, uh, as of about, I'm going to, it says 941 on my watch. It's like 40 minutes ago. Uh, I'm going to read this. I, I am not shitting you. <laughs> Marvel apparently still owns the rights of the name Night Monkey. And there is a, Massive, sw- there. I'm little like like my feeds are starting to fuck, populate right now. There is this massive push because somebody figured out that Marvel still owns Night Monkey, which was the not Spider Man name for Spider Man in Europe, and so there are Night Monkey movie posters all over the internet right now with an MCU brand. Oh Jesus! I would I would pay money to see that. They in fact they don't have to say the words Peter Parker, Spider Man, or anything. They could just refer to him as Night Monkey, and it's Tom Holland, and I think they would be a legally clear, and b it would be fucking delicious.
1: <laughs> that so is amazing. Staring at me like, what the hell?
0: <laughs> I'm sorry. Please tell me about your dead ghost baby. Oh no, go- no, it's,
1: it's fine. It's <laughs> fine.
2: no, I, I'm liking this Night Monkey. I mean, who owns the Stanley cameos?
0: Oh, that's well. I, I have to assume that Stanley's, you know, dead body slash, you know. Surviving family does, but
2: because I'm just saying, it could be like, "Come see Night Monkey." We have the Stanley county <laughs> it's,
0: it's totally unrelated, but it's
2: <laughs> totally related. <laughs> now
1: that's that's actually hilarious. <laughs> I I really want, like, I wanted to go smoothly, but I also wanted to act like blow up in a giant grease fire and just see how far they'll actually take this before they come to a conclusion. Well, yeah. now
2: that the internet has it,
1: <laughs>
0: it's all over.
2: It's, it's going, going places. Like it.
0: Yeah, I don't know if you guys have noticed this, but like in the last, I don't know, 20 years, the internet is undefeated.
2: Yeah, it never disappoints either, unless you're the subject.
1: It, it always lets you down, but it never really lets you down. You'll always get what you're looking for one way or another. That's, that's very true. <laughs> well, yeah, no, so Death Strandings, I have no idea what the game is going to be about, but... Uh, it's certainly interesting to see. Uh, they said they're gonna they're gonna drop more information at to Tokyo Game Show, which is pretty common um, for him. So I'm, you know, that's coming up. Uh, I think in like a month or two.
0: But uh, yeah, we'll know more then. Okay. okay, that sounds like a fair one. Uh, let's see what else do we have on our show docket tonight. I'm sort of trying to dig my notes up right now.
1: Uh, oh, there's the Apex Legends thing.
0: Oh yeah, sounds. A- I- that's Catch a spicy this. mess. So, so Zell, Zell brought that up in uh, in chat. I, I, I am totally spaced on that, but it appears that Respawn is having or has had a spat with fans or about fans. Do you guys know anything about that? I'm trying to Google it furiously so, right now. So they had an event in Apex Legends.
1: Fine. Um, and with these kinds of events, usually there's cosmetic rewards you can get for characters, weapons, whatever. So the way it worked is that to my understanding, is that there was like 24 items that you could get from this this loot pool, right? And you could only get these items through like the purchasable um, loot crates. So There's like two kinds, the ones you can get for playing and the ones you you, you buy. And you could get like two of the the bought ones for free by doing the event, but ultimately you had to, you know, purchase more loot crates to get all of the items. That's not too uncommon. the problem is, is that, and this actually kind of reminds me a bit like uh, like Destiny 2's model when they, like, the, the, the first dawning event, where it was like, there was a finite number of event engrams you could get, and then if you didn't get the things you wanted, you were forced to buy, um, you know, more engrams to, to hopefully get the event items you wanted. It was, it was not well received. People threw a shit fit about it. Bungie kind of did a 180, and, and they kind of fixed their event model moving forward, which is a lot better. So this is kind of the same situation for for Apex Legends, where you could get a couple items for free, but you had to buy the rest. Um, Now, that's not even the the problem. The problem is is that people were like, okay, what the hell? I have to to buy these loot boxes, and there's no no guarantee that I'm going to actually um, get the ones I need, because you can get duplicates. And they're like, well, if you get enough duplicates, it gets you like a guarantee new item every like 10 bucks or something stupid like that okay that still doesn't really make it better <clears throat> but the real issue is that there was kind of like an ultimate item you could get which is like this super rare tier there's only like one other item in the game that's of that tier it's this really cool looking axe for one of the one of the characters uh, like a melee weapon um ornament thing but to get access to that item, you have to purchase or at least obtain all 24 of the other items to get the right to buy the top item. So people are like, what the hell, I got to spend so much money to get everything just to get the right to buy the thing I actually want, Um, and so Respawn was like, okay, sorry, we messed up. Uh, For the last week of the event, we'll let you direct buy, you know, the items so you can. You know, basically buy all 24 separately if you, you know, go through the rotation, and then you can buy the top one. And people like, you don't understand that we shouldn't have to buy all of these things just to get access to the items for an event. And someone worked it out, like, to purchase everything to get all of, like, 25 items, like, the 24 ones plus um, the the top tier. It would be like $170 to purchase them all, um, which is, like, insane for an item, right?
0: That's pretty uh, that's pretty outlandish for some ones and zeros that you don't actually own.
1: Yeah, especially for like, and this is kind of my personal opinion, if for like an event for a game, I understand it's free to play and there's some monetization there, fine. But like for an event, the, the purpose of events and games is usually, hey, I was playing the game at this date and time, and therefore I get rewarded for it by getting, you know, this unique item. I, it's not something that I feel like you should have to buy – um if you want to have access to it that's just kind of my opinion that's, that was kind of what my my beef with like the dawning event of destiny was but that aside i mean we can we can lean back and go well it's ea published so we should expect this because it's an ea game the problem is is that the devs got on twitter or on twitter i'm sorry on reddit and as reddit goes there's often rather high quality posts and there's lots of low quality posts Normally when a developer gets on and interacts with the, the, the fans, they usually avoid the highly toxic posts. They usually stick to the more constructive ones because you know you, you wanna work with the people that are being constructive. They didn't do that. They, they, they responded to the constructive ones, but then they also started getting involved with the really toxic posts. And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that it's okay for players to be toxic assholes, but usually, when dealing with toxic assholes, if you are a company and a toxic asshole is your customer, you don't want to respond to them by being a toxic asshole, which is kind of what happened. So it was pretty much, he's like saying like, yeah, you know, people can be kind of entitled dicks and, you know, we don't really want to talk to them and it's terrible. and. Someone responded with a nasty post, and the developer, and this is like the lead of the project, right? This isn't like some random grunt. This is the guy in charge of the game. It was like, "Hey guys, I found the dick," and starts talking about this guy who is who is being toxic. Um, which didn't go well, and so people were kind of throwing a fit. And he comes back with like. Well, you know, most of you guys, because the, the, the comments were basically like, why are these things so expensive, right? Why are these, these posts, so, these items so expensive? It's, it's ridiculous, you know, I should have to pay $170 for it. And his response was basically like, well, we've done tests by putting stuff in, on sale and we find that lowering the price point doesn't actually get more people to buy. Most of you playing are freeloaders and we love that, but we need to make money. So, you know, that's the price point. It's gonna be $18 for a skin. Um, Usually, you don't want to refer to people as freeloaders, especially when they're your customer because it's kind of derogatory, Um, especially Mm -hmm. people who are, if you play the game on a multiplayer game, you are providing content for the developer and other players. So even if you're playing for free, you're still providing a service to that game. So you're not really freeloading, and that's a really bad way to put it as as a developer.
0: Well I, I, I so I was sitting here thinking through this. I am I'm, I'm like I'm reading the story as you're narrating it. Uh and and uh I'm kind of like one, it's very clear that they were, you know, unprofessional in their engagement. I also I think they're in a, almost a like the Kobayashi Maru though. So you want the game developers need to talk to their community, their community based, their game community base. Game community base you know, likes to throw flaming bags of poo at them. There is a limit, I think, on how you can like I think this is what drives some companies to just not engage their 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 customer base when whatever they say is just going to get drowned out by, you know, a percentage of Yahoo's on the internet. Now what I found interesting about what you just said is like I didn't that's I did not get to the part in the article about the uh the freeloader comment, but what you just said is interesting. Poor choice of words, but there is some reality there like are you in fact a customer of the game if you contribute nothing to the game like in terms of an interaction i i don't know if the word customer is the right way to describe it you're certainly part of the community base you're certainly part of the fan base you're certainly part of the ecosphere but customer implies a transactional relationship where you get something and then i get something in return that there's, that is the interesting, I've never thought of it this way, but that is really the interesting dichotomy of when you have basically a AAA free-to-play game. You have a lot of people who have no need to spend any money because you get a really good game. Uh, and then you have the developers who are like, if you want me to keep making a good game, I need to charge X from the people that will pay for the game. Uh, I've never thought of it that way, but it's it's an interesting re- it's an interesting take on it. Horrible choice of words, by the way. I totally agree with that. But I could see from their perspective, maybe a little bit where if you're just like, just taking facefuls of like Reddit shotgun blasts and, and you you, at some point you just kind of snap and you're like I'm mad as hell and can't take it anymore. Like how do you, de- you know, how you defend microtransactions when you just dis- generally, when you describe how much money uh, that you make and don't make from people. And interestingly enough, death, you know, Bungie did something very similar, not like they, they didn't do it like with a firebomb. But because they knew that people were starting to look very heavy in, into Keep that's coming up, which has massive, like 10,000 words of a developer update that came out in three installments this week, um, which I highly recommend everybody go look at. Uh, it was one of the most fascinating looks at game development I've read in a long time. He, he directly, Luke Smith directly attacked my, microtransactions or the, or the microtransaction discussion. He said, "Let me let me explain this to you. The microtransactions for the skins... For the whisper of the worm this very specific exotic sniper rifle you can get from this one mission in destiny those skins paid for the dev costs of content x y and z he made a very direct correlation to other content that was created because of the the ability to pay dev costs from the microtransactions of a specific item uh I, and that's Again, that's how these things work. But yeah, I'm I'm with you, Boki. I I just, I'm sitting there thinking through this. I just kind of went on a little, not a rant, but like a stream of consciousness because the way you framed it was in a very interesting way. Uh, And I, because I've never really thought it through that, that angle, but I I don't know that I like, I love the idea. I would love the idea of working in in the video game industry at some point, but I just don't want to deal with people. Because people are
1: bad. <laughs> <laughs> they, they are, they are. Especially, you know, when they're they're angry. Um, it, it's it's interesting because like you're right. If you're not paying for the game, you're not if you're not paying for microtransactions, you're not directly financially supporting future updates of the game. Um, so that's that's absolutely true. And for to be clear, <clears throat> I don't think that microtransactions are bad. Um, I sometimes choose to partake. Sometimes I don't. I much prefer the direct buy option for things. I'm not a big fan of, of loot boxes, um, but I buy DLC all the time. You know, uh, it's it's something that I'm not against. I understand that the benefit of what that means for future development. I, I usually prefer like a subscription model over microtransactions because I feel the quality and consistency of content is usually higher. But I understand that in today's market, the free to play model plus microtransactions is is popular. That's fine. Um, the other way I look at it though is that for a game like Apex Legends, it is it is PvP only, right? And it, it requires large amounts of players to play the game as it is, because it's what, like almost a hundred players, I think. So you need lots of people playing the game. Um and so the question comes down to, like, if you don't have those people, you don't have a game. Like, the, the size of the game would decrease significantly, and in one would say the quality of the experience would probably decrease. So, in, in some ways, you get people who are exchanging money for content, um, and th- those are customers in a very traditional sense, whereas people who don't pay they're getting a free game and in return they're providing content as an enemy opponent to other players. So it's kind of a, it's not directly supporting, but it is also essential for the function of the game as, you know, a service to the people who are playing. So, you know, I, the verbiage is, is probably irrelevant, but I, I think in, 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 to a degree, they are quote unquote customers. It's just not a traditional sense of, of what you would look, where I'm, I'm exchanging a monetary amount for a service. It's I'm providing a service to your other customers for a service from you. Um, so it is it is fascinating um, to really look at it, and and I absolutely understand coming from a level of frustration from the developers that, you know, you're just trying to probably pay your people, and everyone's taking a shit on the fact that you're asking for money. In response, in return for providing a game that these people are, are making, so I, I totally get the emotional response. But yeah, it, they didn't handle it terribly well. But I, I can get where his his head was at in that moment, and you know, probably isn't feeling too great about it after the fact. But you know, we all have our days.
0: Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, I, I'm looking. It looks like the CEO re- re- responds Vince Sampanelli. He came back pretty good statement. He basically, and he didn't, you know, he didn't couch out anything. He basically said. Hey, this is, this is not how we want to comport ourselves. You know, even when, you know, like, Hey, we back our developers up, particularly when people are, you know, attacking them and their families, and, you know, on the internet. But, uh, we also do, do not comport ourselves in the way that these guys did. So there's also no reports that they they got fired or released yet. So they're probably not going to be, but also probably like on a fucking Twitter slash Reddit ban for like this year though. Yeah, it definitely didn't look good.
1: Um particularly because it was very, very bad backlash from the uh, perspective of the players, so. uh, But, you know.
2: You gotta watch that.
1: What was that, Libby?
2: So you gotta watch how you uh, interact with people. I mean, even if they're not paying, you know, that the term customer is so flexible in the dev world. You know, it's like they're, they're still stakeholders because if they're not playing your game, even if it's free, it doesn't succeed. So if you're offering a free product, then the people that play that free product are customers. In my eyes.
0: Yeah, no, I think you're, I think, again, I think you guys are spot on. I just, it's one of those kind of interesting sort of comments about it. Uh, like you said, I, I I think microtransactions are fine, but there's, but there's also a... Demarcation line when they become very predatory and, and rough, and you gotta, and that's where there, that's where there's a lot of people that kind of, you know, you question it, and then you you know, I, like I do like subscription models too. I am a fan of those, but I also realize that those are, you know, those are a little tough. You know, you, you, I mean, they they come with their own challenges, a little different set of challenges in terms of microtransactions, but I, I just I just think we're in a realm where. Like, the economy of games is just fundamentally different than it was, like, you know, like when it was, you know, back in the day, you get a $40 game at, at Christmas for your NES, and that was it. There's was this thing, an upload, a download, a, an anything. It was just, that's that was it. There's your game. Now it's, it's just dramatically different.
1: Well, and it's tough, because people expect games to, to last forever, you know. Uh, even if you buy it for 60 bucks or it's free to play, there's the whole you know gaming as a service model if you want to call it that is almost expected everything's got the 10 year plan right that it's going to go on and we're going to get continual updates and we're going to devour content at a at a, a locust pace you know and we expect you to keep up with that content or oh god the game is dead on arrival i mean look at games like the division or, or destiny you know they have to they have to keep producing content because that's the expectation and it, it's no longer how it used to be like you know, I always reference the little big planet model, like, you know, when that first came out on PS3, it had DLC. The additional content really wasn't, there wasn't a lot of free updates, really. Um, if there was DLC, the DLC was priced to pay for itself, for the most part, you know, you'd buy a little costume for like a dollar, like, it's very, very cheap, um, very impulse buy range, and it worked really well. But now it's, we need to continue developing this game. You're not giving us more money for it because you're expecting these free updates over time. So we have to price the DLC to not only pay for the cost of producing the DLC, like the the actual cosmetic or whatever, we also have to bake in the price of adding, you know, the additional storyline, new areas, new enemies, whatever, into that price and do it in such a way that you'll still buy as much as you were before, but at a higher price. And I, I think it's great that like you're saying for Bungie, when he comes out and says, listen, I'm gonna be transparent about what it was, this particular item or this set of items paid for X, Y, and Z. And that's why, you know, we had to do it. Um, I think if people were upfront about it and said, hey, you know, a little more transparent about, this is what it's, it's going towards. Um, people would feel more inclined to, to do it. Cause I mean, there's unfortunately, you know, you look at like, Apex Legends are published by Respawn, and it was published by EA, people go, oh, it's EA, they're just being greedy, they want, you know, more profits for their CEO. But if, you know, you got Bungie going like, hey, listen, we're just the developer and and the publisher now. We're just trying to keep the lights on and keep producing this game for you. This is where the money is going. I think people are probably going to react way better to that because they know that it's it's being cycled back into the game, rather than just going off into the ether to, you know, be someone's bonus.
0: Yeah, no, I think I think this is a very cogent point. I mean, a lot of it depends on the perception that you have of the company too. Uh, I, I suspect if Respawn was you know not a uh, you, you know not owned by a large conglomerate at this point, that they would uh, that their their ability to deal with their fans would be different too. I think, It'd just just to be upfront with you, so I don't know. Uh, like I said, these are the kind of things that we have going on in the gaming world and in the pop culture world. Um, do you guys have any other topics before we hit, like, a quick quick round of shout-outs? Uh, I think I'm pretty good. Libby, anything? All right. I'm good. Cool, then you can start with a shout-out, Libby.
2: My shout-out goes to Creature Report. Oh, Tonight, we are talking about water bugs. <laughs> Literally, like during the time we did the podcast, I think there was like four creature reports that went off. So I've been singing that in my head. So you know,
0: and if, and if, if you're one of song. the handful of listeners around the world and you don't know what a creature report is, just Google it.
2: Just Google it. <laughs> yeah. It's
1: from a show called The Aquanauts, and it's <sighs> it plays at the end of every episode. And the episodes are way too short, so in a one-hour period, you're going to hear this thing like six times. It's terrible
0: it's all good. okay it'll be fine yeah uh, yeah so some of those little phases of life okay shout outs
1: uh I will give a shout out to Tom Holland because he is like my one of my favorite actors in the MCU um, I, he's just a fantastic actor I love his portrayal of spider-man and I think that uh, I hope that they come to some sort of agreement because he's awesome and I hope to see more of him
0: that sounds awesome. Um, okay, so I'll throw a shout-out to Wahlburgers. They just opened it up a restaurant a, probably a quarter mile away from where I live. Never ate one. I've heard about it repeatedly or, and uh, it, it actually caught, I think, 1.5 episodes of the Wahlburgers reality show. Actually, not too bad. Pr- pretty good food. My kid likes their milkshakes, so that pretty much means that we're going to have to go there again and again. and and probably again um but he also does like the uh mom's favorite sweatshirt which he got there he tends to wear on the day that his sister comes uh to visit us with uh her fiance which should be should be fascinating (laughs) i didn't realize that the boy had a sister
1: yeah yeah
0: okay so uh Like, uh, he, he has an older sister, uh, like, uh, sister and brother, uh, on, uh, his mom's side. So, uh, Miss J had two very, very young kids, uh, when we get married, but they, they stayed with their dad in California. Uh, so he's got, he's got a brother and sister and, uh, his big sister, Kiki, uh, is coming in from California with her fiance, uh, for Christmas. And they've never seen snow. And I'm gonna take great pleasure at like taking them out snowmobiling, cutting wood, taking them to hockey games, you know, shit like that you should do on occasions like that. Uh but that's that's why. So anyway, the ten year old was smart enough to realize that if he got a my mom's I'm my mom's favorite kind of sweatshirt and he wore that, it would create uh this very interesting sort of vibe in the room when his sister was there. So he, he picked up on that. That's pretty awesome, man. I thought so. I don't know if mom did, but I laughed. when I... <laughs> <Absolutely>. <laughs> That's all that matters though. Uh, and I know I know that I, my, I've done my job as a parent, when my wife will say his name and my name interchangeably, because she's trying to yell at somebody in the house. So <laughs> I, I, I call it uh, small victories. Um, okay so now that we have we have we've had basically the uh the mom and dad episode of biomass which is more or less what this became um we really appreciate everybody tuning in and the uh the comments we we do still get on twitter and uh other venues occasionally so please keep them coming uh it's always interesting as as the shows continue to morph and and it's funny because we're of sure we have these kind of peaks and valleys in the show and what sort of happened is, is right now we're in this kind of neat space where the show is literally what it was intended to be uh, when we first started, uh, which was really some friends getting around to, to, to have an excuse to talk to each other. And we just sort of made a podcast out of it. Um, and, and that's actually one of my favorite versions of the show. However, you know, we, we also go through these cycles where we can get, a, you know, a, a pretty fair a fair level of popularity and uh, you know, we'll, we'll start pulling some, some pretty neat guests in and things like that. And it's really cool. Uh, but it's also one of those where, uh, you know, it takes a lot of work to pull one of these shows off. So if you like watching YouTube, you like watching Twitch, you're listening to podcasts, like really good ones, really popular ones. A lot of what this process has done is taught us that you got to work your booty off to make that a good show. Uh, and nobody ever just sets out to do bad work. But it's always, you definitely get a good appreciation for what goes on uh, in terms of the amount of effort that those folks put in for like that 10 minute YouTube video you watched. There's a lot of pre and post production, not just a guy, you know, like, you know, hey, there's, you know, slap face, this is, you're, you know, your are bored, Jimmy, you know, let's talk about COD or whatever. That just, that's a very, very small slice of what goes on. What I like about this is generally it's just friends getting together. We we make time once a week to actually talk to each other about some some neat nerd stuff. So with that, guys, uh, we're gonna go ahead and say good night for the week, and we look forward to talking to you next week. So sign off.